And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to uh, jump right into, um, with that encouragement, we're going to jump right into the Word. And if you need a Bible, you can raise your hand. Uh, we will go ahead and pass those out. Leon's passing those out. Um, if you are new, we are going through the book of Genesis. Do I need to press something? Uh, we're going through the book of Genesis, and we are trucking along, family, and we are in chapter 39. So um, we're, doing our, we're doing our thing, praise the Lord. Uh, if you I want to encourage you uh, that you can go ahead and uh, ask questions. Uh, they're totally, that's not a full pie at all, so please feel free to ask questions. Book or questions? Oh, book. Okay, cool. And um, I also want to encourage you that if you need to do a little catch-up action, that you can listen to the sermons online, and hopefully even there's some uh, different notes that can sort of give you a cursory understanding of what we are, what we how we have uh, gone through the book and, and certain the different aspects of what Gen- was going on in Genesis because we won't be able to describe all that uh, for you today. So you have to do some catch-up work. Uh, the freedom to do so is there on the website. I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, Genesis chapter 39 is uh, it's a very interesting chapter. You guys, if you've read ahead, uh, this is a very famous chapter. Even a lot of unbelievers know from a cursory perspective, like they've heard of this whole Potiphar's wife chapter, all right? And so many of you guys are like, uh-oh, how is, what is Eric going to say today, right? And um, I'm going <laughs> I'm going to be good. And, um, but this is a very, but, but, but I want us to make sure we know, because this is a very important chapter, because um, we're doing something here, when you talk about Bible study methods real quick, um, we talk a lot about the difference between interpretation and implication, okay? So, so when you're studying the Bible, uh, remember, we always talk about the primary focus of, of a person who wants to understand what the, what the Lord is saying to us from the Scripture is we first want to understand what the author's intent is, right? And so we want to understand a biblical interpretation of a certain passage that we're looking at, all right? But what happens, so that's primary, okay, guys? And you guys all know that's primary. But what can happen... Is as you're as you're understanding and, and realizing that interpretation, there's a lot of implications that pop up in the text. Okay, and so the implications are things that are true, but aren't the main focus of the text. Okay, so we're gonna so we're gonna and this is a, this is a this is a chapter where we're gonna talk a lot about implications because there's a lot we can learn. But then we're going to hone in on what is the, the author's probably main point. Like, what does the author want uh, the, the, the Israelite, the Hebrew, to understand as they're walking through uh, the wilderness? All right, guys? Uh, so with that said, we're going to jump into this crazy, uh, kind of like a soap opera. And here's why. You know, now, who, who's watched soap operas before? Uh-huh. Some of y'all that... You can still be Christian. Remember the whole grace motivation talk we just heard? You can watch so far and be a Christian. So don't be scared. So, all right, so, so you guys, or at least, or at least you guys have heard of a soap opera. How about that? All right. So you've heard of a soap opera. And what, what always happens on soap operas, right? You have, you have the scene. So they're doing their thing, right? And all of a sudden, right when it gets to the part where you're like, what's going to happen now? They cut it off and then they go to another scene, right? You're like, man. And then they always, they never, they never bring that scene back up. They make you, you gotta watch the next day. So you know what I'm saying? So they, they keep, they keep stringing you on. It's kind of less what's going on here, right? Because 
remember, we were dealing with Joseph, all right, a couple chapters ago, and then it just stopped, right? Well, a chapter ago, and so now we're back to the scene of Joseph. So you're like, whatever happened to Joseph? So here we are. We get to see what's going on with Joseph. Now, before, um, Leon had talked about Joseph, you know, being one of the brothers of Jacob, right? So what you had is you have this family history that we've been we've been focusing in on for many weeks now. And this family history is very important because this family is teaching us. God is using this one family to show us how he's bringing about this reality of salvation to the world. Or I mean, I'll say he's showing us he's convincing us that we're really, really evil and we need salvation. OK, and so he's using his family and we, we've, had, we've gone through the generations. Right. We've gone with Abraham and we have Isaac. And we have Jacob. And then Jacob has, you know, these 12, these 12 sons and he has a daughter. Uh, but then we beeline even more into uh, these 12 sons. Uh, and then we see the 12 sons uh, get so upset with Jacob because I'm sorry, with Joseph, because God's hand is on Joseph. And then Joseph is stupid enough to tell him all the time that his hand is on him. So they try to off Joseph, right? We're going to kill him. So they throw Joseph into a ditch. They're going to, they try to kill Joseph. But then God's sovereignty, when we say sovereignty, that God is in control of everything. And he makes sure everything happens according to his plan. So in his wide plan, he decided, I don't want Joseph dead. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to have you guys actually bring Joseph back up out of the ditch so he won't die. Uh, because God wants to do something supernatural, and you're going to see in Joseph's life, actually Joseph is going to make sure that all the Israelites are saved, because eventually if he would have died, then what God was going to do through Joseph wouldn't have happened, and then God would have been a liar, because all the Israelites would have died, and he wouldn't have had a remnant. But since God is not a liar, his sovereign hand decided that I need to make sure I save Joseph so I can look cool. He saves Joseph, brings him up out of the ditch. Joseph gets um, sold OK, so he gets sold and that's where we enter. So, so the, the show goes off and then, you know, the little hourglass days of our lives and the, the credits go up. He's like, oh, man. And so now here we are. OK, let's get to rocking and rolling. OK, Genesis 39. Y'all ready to rock? This is an intense chapter because I think it's going to challenge us um, on how we view faithfulness. OK, you ready? Verse one. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. OK, so guys with the guys with Joseph, Joseph gets beat up by his brothers. Now, 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 remember the timeline, guys. I want you to keep this timeline with me. He gets beat up by his brothers. Almost um, should have been killed. They try to kill him. They sell him. So Joseph gets sold. But now he gets sold again. The scriptures say now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. So he sold into slavery. Okay, so Joseph's a slave uh, for the Ishmaelites. Okay, but then they sell him too. So he's a double slave, right? So then he gets sold again to the Egyptians. Now, the Egyptians, now do you guys understand what's going on with the Egyptians? The Egyptians are, they have a lot of power. They're a very powerful group, okay? But they're kind of like in this day, the super pagans. I mean, these guys are just like the, the, the God's people would see the Egyptians like, oh my goodness, they think they're their own gods. They're the epitome of it because many of us think we're our own gods, but we won't say it. But these guys actually say it, okay? So that's how serious they are. So these are like guys, they're just the epitome. It's like if you have God here and then you have people who are like, I don't care about God because I am God, they're here. Okay, so these are the people we're dealing with. So he sold into 
foreign land. You can't get more foreign than this land. Okay. Um, In verse two, it says, so here he's a slave. It says the Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. All right. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. So all of a sudden, God's hand is on him. And the scriptures say that he prospered. He lives with the Egyptian master. So now he's in, he's living in the home of his, of his Egyptian master. And for whatever reason, he's prospering. And you guys are asking yourself, so how did he prosper? Let's go on. Verse 3. Uh, when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Uh, and it says, Potiphar... Uh, put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to him, entrusted to his care everything he owned. Okay, a couple of things I want to bring up real quick. First thing is notice this. So first, he's living in a home. God continues to bless him. And it says that he saw that God, that, that God was with this dude. Okay. But then it says he moves from being in this home to being an attendant. So it seems at some level he gets a promotion. Okay. Because he was just a servant, but now he's kind of like his attendant. And then it says, it gets from attendant, and then when you, you have this word called apposition, what does it mean when he's his attendant? That basically he let him control everything that he owned. Okay, so it says the Lord is with him. Now, when we look at that, we can think, okay, so what God did was he kind of hypnotized, you know, Potiphar, and then, you know, he made Potiphar say, okay, I'm going to make you be the owner of this and the owner of that. But I think this is a great example of how God works in tandem with his creation, guys, because what you don't see here is you don't see why, why that he knew that the Lord was with him. You don't see that. So why do you think that he knew that the Lord was with him? Very simple answer. His work ethic. The whole what we're going to see throughout this text here is that he is Think about it. What would make you want to entrust everything you have to someone, a foreigner? What would make you give everything you have and treat him? Basically, he moves from just this foreigner guy to the point where he is second in command in this household. How does that happen? So either he was hypnotized and, you know, he just decided to give him everything because God is sovereign and, you know, and it was just all spiritual. Or God is just telling us something here that his he had such character. He was so godly. He was such a servant. He was so kind. He worked so hard that the guy thought, man, I got to keep giving this brother more things to do. I got to keep entrusting him with stuff because look at the character of this guy. So my whole point is that he wasn't lazy. And they said that the Lord, it says the Lord in verse two, that uh, the Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. Look at these words here. Look what it says in verse four. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Now, I love also in this text here, I love that it says he knew that the Lord was with him. Right. And I, and I love this. Have you ever done that? You, you, you're hanging with your kids, you're hanging with your wife and people are like, man, you have you have a godly family, you know, and man, you, you take care of your stuff and. And I, I noticed that you guys are kind to everybody and and um, you guys seem really happy and your, your bills are paid. And and man, I just love the way you guys do life, you know, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you want to know God? And they're like, no. Nope. But but I like the way you do life. You know, <laughs> it, it, it seems like he's that guy. Right. Like I'm just blown away. What it, what it shows me, I'm just blown away at how how people can see God's hand. He he says the Lord is with this guy. Right. 
But you don't see him at all. Even You don't see an inkling of this guy wanting to know who the Lord is. So what does that say to you? I mean, what, again, I just love when you see these little tidbits that really affirm this reality of the sovereignty of God. That, that for whatever reason, it wasn't like he had information, so he was going to act on it. For whatever reason, the guy had information. He had a godly man in his house who was serving him, being kind, having godly character. The guy saw God all up in it to the point where he's like, the Lord is with this guy. I want to give him more stuff even because he's blessing me. But yet he doesn't want to follow the Lord that this guy serves. Very, very interesting. And I, and I say that because in this community, how do you how do you take that? How, how, how do you take that and, and, and apply that to this community? In this community, the thing is, we are out here, we're serving the Lord. You're trying to honor Christ. You're trying to talk to people about Jesus. You're trying to love your wife well. You're trying to love your family. You're out here on mission, right? And then people are going to totally not give a rip about your God. I feel like we see this all the time. I've been here five years. We see this all the time. Where people go, wow, you, I love the way you and your wife hang out and how your kids run up to you and love you. And I just love seeing your home and all these other things. And they come into our house and we feed and we have meals. And, and we say, well, can we tell you about Jesus? And they're kind of flippantly like, well, I guess you did feed us. Go ahead, hurry up. So this is the reality of the world, is that some people are just not going to get it. And the only reason I'm sharing this to my family here is because then I see some of you guys getting really sad and feeling like it's your fault. As if you did something wrong. And I'm just trying, I want to propose to you, I want to proclaim to you, it's not your fault. Sometimes people do not want to know Jesus. So that's this guy. He's a guy who wants all the blessings but doesn't give a rip about the Lord. Mm. Look what happens here. He continues on in the scriptures here. It says uh, in verse five, from time to time, it says from the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. You see that the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had and both in the house and in the field. Now, here's what I love about this. What is this saying about us today? See, this is going to be a big work chapter because some of you guys, you know, and, and, I, and I get it. Work is hard, right? But you think about it. Work is supposed to be hard. That's why people pay us. Right? Right? They pay you because they know you, you won't do it for free. Right? Because <laughs> you, right? And that's why they pay you, because they, because they know, like, okay, this is going to be hard, so I probably need to pay this brother, or he's not going to do it. So, so work is hard, okay? What's interesting to me is I'm blown away at how people, we want to make money, but we don't want to work. Right? We want the stuff, but we don't want to work hard. And it just seems to me, I just think this, this, this chapter is, I'm amazed at God trying to show us the implication here is notice the character of Joseph. Notice how he works and God continues to bless him. And in our, in our body, I know that you guys have some hard jobs, but I really want you to take a good look at this man because I want to propose to you that if you're teaching, if you're in law school, if you're, if you're a medical student, if you're an engineer, whatever you're doing, right now, even as a pastor, we have a good clue right here of what does it look like to be a witness to the nations. Because here's a guy 
who's honoring the Lord, and it says that God continued to bless him. And look what it says in verse 6. I love this. It says, so he left in Joseph's care everything he had. You see that? With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, isn't that crazy? To the point where he, he leads to a foreigner. So he has such a reputation. Think of, think of the character of this guy. His reputation is so good that he was a slave. Now, he's a slave. He's doing such good work to the point where the man says, I leave everything in your care and I don't think about anything in my whole house except what I'm going to eat. Can you imagine? Now, keep this in mind. You have Pharaoh and probably this guy because he's the captain of the guards. And then you have Joseph. Really? Now, wait a minute. Are you telling me that Joseph went from almost dead to a slave to the third in charge in Egypt? Now, what would you have done? Okay, now remember your life. Remember your timeline. What would you have done at this point? You're third in charge. You got money. He's balling now. I mean, he, it says everything's his. Remember your brothers tried to offer you a couple years ago? <laughs> would you be thinking, oh, where are those cats at? You know what I'm saying? Would you be thinking that? Would you be thinking, right? Or maybe the Ishmaelites were mean to you before they sold you? Would you be thinking about revenge? Would you think, like, let me show them how cool I am. Let me, let me go drive by them with my Lexus. I'm just asking, like, do you, when you put yourself in a story, what would you be, what would you want to do right now with the power you have? But do you see Joseph? There's not an inkling of him being spiteful, wondering how do I get back at people? He is serving. He is kind. You see, you just see this disposition of a guy saying, I'm giving it all to you. And his whole focus is about making sure that this guy's household is taken care of. The character is unbelievable. Notice what happens, guys. Now, everything's going great. He's selfless. He's serving others. I mean, he has everything. But then something happens in verse, in the middle of verse uh, 6 here. Look what it says. The scriptures say that he was looking like me. It says, now Joseph was well built and handsome. All right, it says, now Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. All right, here we go. So imagine this, okay? Everything's going well for you, okay? Now this is Potiphar's wife, okay? So she is probably off the chain. Okay, she's probably really beautiful, very voluptuous, because, I mean, come on, he's rich. Okay, and y'all know, y'all have seen some really fat and looking nasty people, right, who are rich. And you're like, how he get hurt? See, I'm the only Christian here, like y'all ain't, y'all ain't thought that before. All right, and you thought that, well, let me tell you why, because they're rich, Okay. And the girl's like, well, you got a lot of money. Okay, kiss me. Yeah, yeah, can I get $500? You know, I don't know what happened. All right. So, so at worst, he's gorgeous and has a pretty girl. But you know she's off the chain because he's third in command. Or if not second in command, at best, you know. So you know she's beautiful. Okay. He's out, you know, captain of the army. So he's, he's running things, trying to help, you know, run, run Egypt. So he's probably not around much, obviously, you can tell from the scriptures here. 
All right, so you got this beautiful woman who's by herself, lonely, bored. Here you are, you're young. He's probably, because he's an Israelite and he's trying to be faithful to the Lord, so he's probably a virgin. Okay, he probably was in, he's in, he's been in slavery, and even though he has all this stuff, he probably still knows he's a slave. Okay, so he's wondering, will I ever have an opportunity to have sex? Will I ever have an opportunity to have a bride? I mean, who knows what he's thinking? Okay, so you have a girl comes in. And it says the wife takes note of and, and notice she doesn't she doesn't flirt. Right. She doesn't just brush by him and touch him, you know, or say, hey, let's have tea. Right. None of that. Right. I'm just amazed. She just comes right out. Hey, come to bed. Let's have sex. And guess what? This is in primitive town. This is 4000 years ago. He's a slave. She she is the wife of, of basically the ruler of this home. So when she says this, it's not kind of like optional. He's a slave. Part of what slaves did was they did sexual favors in this day. So she's not going, would you like to? She's saying, have sex with me. What do you do? What do you do, man? What do you do at this point? She can get you killed. She can make life really hard for you. What would you do? Some of you have maybe even had situations like this where a girl has propositioned you. Asked you to do something that you know you shouldn't be doing. Look what, look what he says, though. I love this. I love the scriptures. If you, want to, if you want to memorize a verse, I love this part. But he refused. I love the scriptures. Just make it really clear. He's, he says he refused. And then me and a friend, was, we were talking about this. And he was saying, well, I don't like the fact... The next part, it says, with me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you. He's given me everything, but he don't touch my wife. Because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? So there's two ways to look at this. Either he's kind of like more focused on a guy than God. Right. So he starts with, hey, the apologetic is like, here's why I can't have sex with you, because I really, really get in trouble because, you know, Potiphar. Oh, and by the way, I'm sinning against God. I don't want to sin against the Lord. That could be one reason. But the reason why I think that's flawed, I don't think that's what's going on here, because the author doesn't give you any inkling that this guy was kind of subservient and was like focused more on people than God. It seems the whole disposition of this text here is look at this godly man. And so I'm proposing to you, he's just being he's just saying, listen. He's trying to tell her, why are you doing this? This your, your husband has blessed me. I don't want to sin against him. He's 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 made me a steward of all this. I love the fact that the, I think the author's trying to show you how selfless he is. That he's saying, I want to honor my pagan master. He could have thought, well, I can maybe have sex with her. I can figure out a way to sort of get the kingdom to myself here. But he says, No. Then he says, Adam, you want me to sin against God? No. Guys, he could have got killed here. He says, you want me to sin against the Lord? And look, it says, and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. So, so check this out, guys. Here's what the text is trying to help us see. The author wants you and me to see the, the reality of temptation. See, people will say to me, Eric, like... Hey, man, so tell me that journey. Like, how, so how do you not 
you know, struggle? How you not, you know, looking at porn? How are you not, like, you know, masturbating? Like, tell me, like, what are you doing? You know, and, 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 you know, at first I'm like, God's grace, you know, but here's the, but here's the thing that, that also a lot of times when you talk to men about sexual sin, we talk about it in the sense of like, when you conquer it, there's the, the struggle should cease. It's almost like the conquering of the sin is that the temptation actually leaves or something. And I'm proposing, I think one of the things that the Lord allows me to see is that, you no, know, every day is a day of grace. And every day is harder. And, and, and the reason why that's key, because some days are going to be harder than others. And so some days, you're not going to really struggle with temptation. You're going to just have a good day. You're going to be super busy, and it's not a big deal. And in some days, you're going to be, you're going to be so sexually wanting to have sex and wanting to think, and you're thinking about sex so much. And when you don't, and if, you think, if you're thinking, well, whoa, what's wrong with me? I thought I conquered this. I propose that's when Satan got you. When you start to think that actually you can, you, can, you can have this thing. But it seems to me this text gives us some little implication here. Notice the text wants you to see the consistency of temptation. Notice the text tells you she proposed this to him, right? But then the author could have stopped there and just kept going. But the author wants you to see something. It says, and then day after day, she walked by him again. Can we have sex? See the scriptures there? Every day it says, look. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, what do you think she, what do you think, now see that, don't put that in your, in your, in our, in our 21st century vernacular, she spoke to him, that don't mean she was like, hi. No, that means she, every day she was like, I want some booty, what's up? Can we do this? Why can't we do this? Come on, walking around negligees, you know, looking all, you, can you imagine? Every, I mean, every day. And the reason why we know that's what she was saying, because then it says, he refused to go to bed with her. <laughs> every day she proposed, let's have sex. And he chose every day to say no, 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 no. Or even be with her. Have you had this? You've, you've had this scenario where there's always, you know, I've had it a few times where there's a few women. And I think, guys, if we're honest, there's a few girls every once in a while in your journey in your life where you're like, they're always like, like, you know, in the same room when I'm in a room and they're always trying to, you, you feel kind of weird and you're like, what's going on here? And you know, the girl's trying to push up on you kind of, and then you, you go to the other room and then they're in another room too. And you're like, oh, and then you go to the other room and they're coming too. And, you know, you, I mean, I know some of you guys got, we're married, so you want to act like that didn't happen. I get it. But, but that happens sometimes because I, I'm proposing. And, and what I love about this text is usually I beat up guys and I talk about guys. But women are just as perverted and manipulative and, and just you just foul, just like us, you know. And uh, somebody said more. That's between y'all. Y'all can talk about that later. But. But you have that. And that's what's happening here with Joseph. So, so this will give you some facts here about the founders of women. Look at this. One in three visitors to adult websites is female. 20% of Christian women reported an addiction to porn. And that was, that was four, four or five years ago. Um, I'm pretty confident that um, it's probably gotten a little worse. Um, I mean, we're, we're, we're a mess, y'all. You, you know what, what, we, what we men are doing, but women are just as crazy. So... So, so she's pushing up on him. Look what happened here. He says, one day he went into the house. So, so here's the thing. He's been so faithful, right? He's been faithful to Potiphar. He's been doing all this good stuff. You think, wow, this, man, this is awesome. Surely God's going to bless this guy. Right? Right? No! In the name of Jesus, I don't care if I die. 
Think, wow, nice stand-up guy. Let's see what happens to this guy. One day he went to the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. Oh, that's very convenient. Do you think they were just all doing the flowers? No, she kicked them out. Right? She's the baller. She's rich. She, people got to stay in the house because if she wants them to drink, she ain't going to go get it. Okay? So the reason why they're gone is because she's like, oh, y'all leave the house. I got to handle this. All right? Every day I come in here, I'm asking him to give me some sex. He's always figuring out a way to get out of this. We're going to make this happen today, right? So how many times have we seen this in the text, guys, where the woman takes it into their own hands? Okay? Y'all mad at me, but you know it's true. All right? You don't get what you want. And then instead of praying about it, well, she's not a Christian, but you know what y'all supposed to be doing. You say, I'm going to take it in my own hands. I'm going to do my own thing. So she says, get out. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. I want to have sex. Come to bed with me right now. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. So, you know, I don't know if you, if you historically understand this passage. He basically, she strips him butt naked. Okay. And he runs out of the house naked. Okay, that's what's going on here. She takes his cloak. Okay? And he runs. Now, again, pause. What would you do? See, this, this, the implication here is a text of integrity. Ask yourselves, what kind of integrity do you have? Gorgeous woman, you know, you're at her house, things going bad with your marriage. She's propositioning herself to you. Would you last? See, no one knew. He could have had sex with her and no one would have known. He could have totally had sex with her and said, look, okay, we can do this, but you can't tell nobody, okay? And I can be your little boy toy, you know, whatever. We can do this thing. And no, just don't let anybody know. Be me and you. And he could have done this for years. He could have justified this. Well, Lord... I mean, man, you got me here as a slave. Like, what am I supposed to do? I've been struggling. I've been trying to worship you. She keeps, she's still in my ear. She grabbed me now. If I don't do it now, man, then, I mean, where are you, Lord? I'm, I'll die. I got to do it. At what cost? At what cost will you be faithful? Look what it says. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house, uh, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. So she gets racial now. You see that? He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. So the Hebrew, the reason why she said that is because it's a racial, it's like a slur. At this point, she's reminding the people, he's not one of us. Y'all know we've all done that, right? You know, I know we, we, the Lord is blessing us. We're in this community. We're becoming multicultural. We got some black folks, white folks here. And y'all be like, oh, I love my, this is so cool. And then, you know, you're driving down the street, you know, and then it's a white dude do something to you. And you're like, cracker. Yeah. Don't act like you don't do it. Uh huh. Look at the brothers, you know. In the same way, you know. I mean, how easy it for you as white folks. You're doing something and you're all in this community. And as soon as a black guy do something, you stereotype. You use the N-word. Right? We think it. All of a sudden, just that quick, we separate. And we're like, that Hebrew? So she gets racial. Look at these guys, right? When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until her master came home. So you can imagine, she's planning this whole thing. Then she told him this story, her, her master. That Hebrew slave you brought us 
came to me to make sport of me. Look how she says it. She gets him hyped. She gets him really excited, right? She not only, not only tells a lie, but then she, she sort of blame shifts. He wouldn't have done this to me if you wouldn't have brought him. The guy you brought did this to me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his coat beside me and ran out of the house, the scriptures say. See, this is one of those scenarios that I'm telling you guys, I am the worst at this. Imagine, okay, your wife comes in, she's crying. Look what this guy did to me. What would you do? I'm, I am worse. Sarah tell you, man, if somebody, if somebody came and said something was wrong with my wife, it don't even have to be my wife. It could be one of y'all, man, but especially my wife. I mean, life's out. You're dead. I'm serious. And the thing is, but that's unwise. That's unwise. I mean, I do this in my house all the time. You know, the kids will come in, Lauren, and she's crying. I'm just like, who did it? What's that? What, come here. What's going on? And Sarah's like, hold on now. Let's get the story. Let's understand the story first. Let's understand what happened here. And usually there's information missing out of the story from Lauren. You know, hitting somebody or doing something first. Look what the scripture say. The first to present his case seems right until another comes forward and questions him, the scriptures say. See, wisdom shows that although our tendency is to get, get upset and want to bring, come to defense, there's something about not saying you don't trust your wives or you don't, we don't trust each other as a covenant community, but there's something about saying, I don't even know what happened. Can we just get everybody here? There's something about sober thinking. That's an implication here. Not the main interpretation, but, the, but there's something that we can learn about sober thinking. And how do you not rush to action? Super guilty of this, and I'm designed to repent of it because I'm realizing there's great folly in it. But there's great wisdom in pausing and understanding the whole story. It says, but as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me, ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife uh, told him, saying, this is how you, your slave treated me. He burned with anger, the scriptures say. And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison in place, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Now, and check this out. So he burns with anger. And then, but I love this. He could have been killed right there. Okay? But here's again, it's God's sovereignty. First, the guy doesn't kill him. He puts him in prison. But now, let's misunderstand. That's not a cupcake place, okay? It's not federal prison in America, you know, where you steal a million dollars and you get to, you know, have cable and, you know, work out, you know what I'm saying? A little maybe Xbox on Tuesday. I don't know how to do it now, but. It's not like that, right? This is Egyptian, 4,000-year-ago prison. And remember, he's a handsome dude, all right? You do the math. So this is not a good place to be, okay? So he's in prison. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Would you guys think the Lord is with you at this point? Would you think the Lord is with you? Would you go, man, praise Jesus, I'm in prison for absolutely nothing. Wow, God is good. Would you, would you send a prayer letter out? Man, the Lord has been very gracious to me these days. He put me in prison. I had a crazy woman accuse me of rape. It's been awesome. What would you, what would you, what would you think about God at this point? What would you say about God at this point? He was a safe death. Okay. 
I don't know. I think the Lord, I think the, the author wants us to focus more on the peace that he burned with anger and yet didn't kill him. I think it, it's, it's interesting that the author will put that, will keep that so close. Like he burned with anger and yet he just put him in prison. You know, very interesting, but that's good. He could have been like, you, you know, you're a little hoochie, but I got to put him in prison. I don't know. Could have said that. I don't know. But, but notice this guy. So, so the question is, like, what, what would you do? So you, will you be loyal to the Lord? Or do you, does it, is it really true? You honor God and he honors you? Man, I'm honoring God. I was honoring God and then my brothers tried to kill me. I was honoring God and I get put into slavery. I'm honoring God. I get put in slavery again. I'm honoring God. I get put in prison and accused of something falsely. When does it end? When do you say bump Jesus? It's very it's interesting. Some of the, some of us are living this right now. You're trying to be faithful. You're trying to you're, you're trying to walk with the Lord and you're trying to do the right thing. I had a brother tell me the other day um, he had an opportunity to cheat on his taxes, and he um, actually he he had cheated on his taxes. So he said he owed about uh, that he was going to report six thousand worth of something. Um, and he knew he should only have reported three thousand worth. And he was, and was, he said after our our our, our, um, our discussion last week, our sermon, he said, "Man, it was like it was like it hit me like a ton of bricks. What am I doing?" And he called his tax person back and said, "Actually, it's only three thousand. And and it was cool because you just saw it was a cool victory for him to choose. Like, I'm going to honor the Lord. I'm going to choose the Lord here. You know, no one knows. No one knows but him and Christ." But it was a cool display of like just us taking little steps. Some of you are struggling right now. Okay, so what do you do? So then it says, but while Joseph was there in prison, and I saw, I saw her here because I wanted to talk about something, and that is this reality of, so what does it mean to be a suffering servant? What does it mean? Uh, what did God promise us? Let's see what the scriptures say. So you'll be faithful to the Lord. It says, now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. Romans 8, 17. If we indeed, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. See, this is why I absolutely can't stand prosperity theology, because it speaks against the core of the gospel. And that is the gospel is that actually you have to die to live. The quarter God says that you have to die to live. And so if you're in here right now and you're thinking, I'm just, a, I want to be a Christian to balance my life out. I want to be a Christian because I really want God to satisfy my simple desires. You definitely shouldn't be a Macav, but man, you don't even get the gospel. You don't even get it. Because that's not the gospel. God, God not, is not necessarily into balancing out your life. God is into bringing you to worship him. So the whole you balancing and having a nicer life and things calming down, I mean, maybe, but here's what the Lord is saying. Mark, look, 29, um, 10, 29. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or feels for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. And he goes through what he says, homes, brothers, sisters, you're going to get all this cool things. Look, he says, and with them persecutions. You see that? And an age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Look what it says. Matthew 5, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kind of evil against you because of me. It says, all these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. This is what the Bible, the Bible is very clear about the disposition of the world towards you as a believer. This is, this is how the world thinks of you if you're saying, I have my allegiance to Christ. 
So where do we get the audacity to actually think that your life now is going to be this nice rosy thing and that everything's about you getting more money and you having a nice checkbook and your kids being, well, this whole safety mentality? Like, where do you get that? Because that's not, I just want to help you understand, those things aren't bad themselves, but that's not the gospel. And it seems that Joseph got that. Joseph is being totally maligned here, and yet you don't see him cursing God's name. I'm amazed at how something goes wrong with us, bad with us, how quickly we're like, and I was mad at God, and I can't stand God, and I hate God. It's like, really? Do you, do you understand? What did God promise you? What do you think God promised you? This is what the Lord, he's promised. Guess what he said? He says, I'm going to hook you up with the family of God and eternal life and a lot of persecution. You up for it? That's what he says. No money. You might be broke. You might starve. People might hate you. You might get beat up. You might get raped. Your kids might get murdered. But I guarantee you, you're an experience. Because one day you're going to be with, you're going to have me and you're going to have the people of God. That's what he tells us. So look, it says. So here he is in prison, y'all, and we're going to go home. The scriptures say the Lord is still with him. Can you imagine that? I'd have been like, don't just patronize me, Jesus. Really? You're with me? I'm in prison. I'm in an Egyptian prison. And it says, he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So did he just hypnotize him again? I don't think so. God worked. God, God gave him favor, but his favor came through demonstration. This guy must have been doing something right. <laughs> It says, so the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. You gotta be kidding me. How are you gonna be a prisoner and the prison give you keys? You a prisoner! And they're like, here, man, you take the key, dog. You just look, yeah, listen, tell, ask Joseph. I don't know. I don't know why they cook the food like that. Ask Joseph. I don't know why they didn't give you your check this week. Ask Joseph. I, can you imagine? He's running the prison, y'all, and he's a prisoner. I mean, that's crazy. That's the kind of favor the Lord had given this kid, man. It's unbelievable. So you look at all this. We just need to ask ourselves. What would you say, as you look at this text, the implications is that, man, there's something about character. There's something about character is exuding here. And as you are studying, as you are serving, as you're teaching, I just want to ask you, like, is it, is it all about you? Is it all about me as I go and serve as a pastor? Or are we, are we saying, Lord, I want to do my work well to honor you? Whatever you're doing. No grumbling in the text. You just see favor based on character and God being gracious. Here's, here's what it seems to be the main point of the story, guys. And this is the hardest one. That God will honor us if we honor him, right? Here's the hard thing about that. First of all, God honoring us just looks very different in what we want than in what he is going to do. It could be really cool things, and it could not be really cool things. And the question is like, are you, I mean, it could be you having a car, 
and being made wealthy. And, you know, it could be God blessing you to be a blessing to the nations in that way. And it could be you serving here and you just faithfully paying your bills and sharing the gospel with your neighbors for the rest of your life. And you die and no one ever knows you. It could be you just working out your marriage right now and just figuring out how to honor your wife and how to allow you guys to be on mission as a family. America has lied to you and me, guys, and then we're going to go home. America has lied to you and me because every, America tells each one of us that we have to be a star. And each one of us, each one of you are trying to find your significance in how you're going to make a mark in the world. And it's a total lie. God isn't concerned about your mark. He's concerned about your loyalty. Your loyalty to the Father. Will you honor him? And here's what makes it scare, because when you have to honor God, if you really say you want to honor God, the scariest part is just you can't honor God unless you really believe at the core that he's good. Because you'll be too scared to entrust your life to him if he's not good. Do you see that? At the core of this is, is God good enough? Is he good? And I, let, me, let me confess and tell you, that's how it is, right? You're like, okay. Well, if I really give myself fully to the Lord, but what if he, what if this plan isn't for me to be rich, but I really want to be rich? Well, okay, well, maybe I just won't give myself fully to him and I'll keep working my plan. And I propose that's how we do our life. We know how we can just be all out for Jesus, but we go, but man, I know God, he's way more concerned about himself than me. And so he wants to be glorified and he wants me to be a part of that. But man, what if the way he wants me to do it isn't what I want? Do I know that he's good? Do I trust that that's still cool? Am I okay with that? Guys, are you okay with that? Joseph was. And the scriptures say that God continued to bless him. He didn't curse God. No matter what was going on in his life. I pray that we would be a body like that, guys. As I um, close right now, I pray that we would be a body that people would see us. And they would see men and women of character. Well, where they, would, they would know that there's something. They would, not just us proclaiming the gospel, because you know we want to proclaim the gospel. But may you will be proclaiming the gospel and living the gospel in such a, an organic way. That people would see that, man, those, those Macav people, yeah, they're not, they're not lying. And they're not backbiting. And they're wise and they're sober and they're judgment. Like, they don't rush to judgment. Like, and they, when they work, they work hard. Wouldn't it be cool? People call us and they say, hey, do you have any workers? Because we know when people work for Mac Ave, they work hard. They work faithfully. They're kind. I'm praying that we'll be a body where we, don't, we won't have these tabloid issues like this. But we'll be a body where, where people say, man... The character of God is upon them. And it's not based on what they get. And do tithe and offering.